0: Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, and the correct verses are 38 through 48, and there was a typographical error on my part way, way, way back when the sermon planning process began. Uh, So 38 through 48 are, um, are passages, and these are familiar words, ones that you probably could have referenced yourself while I was offering the children's sermon, and um Ones that are, that we've heard, that we know, and uh, that are very difficult to live out. But here now, these instructions from Jesus, from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on evil and on good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? And do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This passage of scripture comes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. A sermon that begins at the beginning of Matthew five, it ends at the end of Matthew seven, and in your pew Bible, it's about three and a half pages long, as far as word count goes. That's about twenty four hundred words, which is say a third of the length of Jonathan Edwards' "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God," and it's longer than this sermon would be, and. I suspect if Jesus were projecting properly, offering the sermon outside, it probably would have taken about 35 to 40 minutes for him to deliver. But the importance of this sermon that he offers is not in its vital statistics. It's not in its length. The importance of the Sermon on the Mount is it is a complete redefinition of how we are to live, what we are to do, and how all of these things work together to build God's community of people and believers. A community which is a different kind of community than the rest of communities we are a part of. But it is this community that Jesus is talking about is one that we all desperately need. And so that is why this passage matters today. It, it, it's a passage that really matters. It's, it's important. And living in different ways is important. Because you've heard it said you should live this way or that way. But Jesus is telling us we should, we should live differently. We should define the way we live by hope and grace and love and the love of, of God that is in the world. This passage matters because it should call us and it should challenge us, it should, it should push us to behave differently. We should not just ignore the passage thinking, well, that's just the, the preacher talking or it's it's fine for someone else to do that, I'm not going to mess with it. If If we call ourselves Christians, if we... Thank God for the many blessings. And if we say that we want to follow Jesus, then this passage matters a lot to us. It's for you, and it is for me, and it's how we build God's community together. Now, the thing is, if you've been in church most of your life, like a lot of us have, um, you've heard this passage read many, many times. Times. You you know this. The kids couldn't quite cite where it was from, and and but they knew the ethic. They remembered, oh, yeah, we talked about that in Sunday school, they said. But the question that we probably should ask ourselves is: is is this really how we're living? Have we really embraced this way of living? A pastor, a friend of mine this week, shared um, on, online a, a t-shirt that said, um, Always turn the other cheek, that way the bruises will match. Well, I don't, I don't think that Jesus is making a style or fashion or aesthetic statement in the black and blueness of our cheeks. But I do think these two paragraphs, these instructions from Jesus matter a whole lot. And I think in some ways they reflect not the core of, 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 of us being forgiven people by God on the cross and, and celebrating a resurrected Jesus, but after we embrace those theological claims, how we live that out is, is at play in a very real, powerful way here today. These, these two paragraphs reflect just about everything else that's in the Gospels in some way or another. And so, let's ask ourselves, how are we doing with this? Do we see a lot of this sort of turning the other cheek and loving of enemies happening around us? There's two sections here. It's the paragraphs kind of divide themselves. And in the first paragraph, Jesus redefines how we react to others who kind of wrong us, take advantage of us, or attack us. When they, when they strike you, how are you supposed to respond? How do you fight a bully, or do you? Do you fight back when provoked? Clearly you don't fight back if the Hulk is here. You Don't, don't provoke the Hulk. And don't File a countersuit. People slap you on the right cheek. Just turn the left cheek, he says. And when they haul you off to court, it says in the Common English Bible, and they want to take your shirt, just let them have your coat as well. Just give it all to them, he says. Now, that makes for bad business. It doesn't fit well with public policy. I don't think the lawyers like it. The court doesn't like it. The judges don't like it because it means they're all rendered useless if we're just giving away everything. But maybe Jesus was trying to give us something different than like how to hang on to possessions. Maybe he's trying to help us think about things differently. Maybe he's giving us life in a different way. Than holding on and chasing all of that stuff. Maybe Jesus is, is giving us some practices for how it is we might actually change the world. So when they force you to go a mile, just go ahead and go two. There's some Roman law that lies behind that, like the, the, that his hearers would have understood. And give to anyone who asks, don't refuse those who wish to borrow you oh, I don't carry cash, I'm sorry. Guilty, right? This sounds great, and I suspect, but I suspect the reason that it sounds strange is that a lot of this is not happening around us. I think some of it is happening through us. But it's not happening in our workplaces and in the broader culture, and it's certainly not happening on the news. We're not going the extra mile for those who are seeking to take from us. We're not giving what we have to those who are asking for it. We're really good at spending our lives acquiring and then protecting things. And Jesus is wanting to encourage us to arrange our lives differently. I think Jesus is is wanting us to see that things need to happen differently with us and for us and through us. And God is at the very least attempting to help us see what it's going to take to change the world and make it a better place. He's saying give up on an eye for an eye because as the old saying goes, an eye for an eye will leave everyone blind, won't it? Now, Jesus kept talking, and there's a sense in which what he said there at the beginning seems pretty difficult, but I actually think that that's the easy part. That whole turn the other cheek and just give what... I think that's the easy part, because honestly, do you remember the last time you were in a physical fight? I bet you half the people in this room have never actually physically been in a fight And have never actually had to turn the other cheek. And maybe you haven't, so you know how painful it is. But I've not been in many fights. (laughs) Excuse me. So turning the other cheek is a simple thing in theory, because I never actually have to live it out in practice. But then he says, you've heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you just love your enemies also so you'll act like children of your father who's in heaven because he makes the sun rise and set on both the good and the evil on your friends and your enemies and if you only love those who love you even the tax collectors do that like yeah he's he's a tax collector but he's my tax collector so I'm going to love them. Even the Gentiles do the same. So just as your heavenly Father is complete in showing love to everyone, so you too should do the same. Again, that's the Common English Bible's translation. And I just reread that whole thing uh, that I had read earlier because we, we're, that's the hard part to get, isn't it? Are we so open in our lives and our relationship that we have bridged every gap across to those who have hurt us? I don't know that we have. No one's hit me in the face lately, but I've had some who have hit me in the heart. Right? And it's hard to forgive those, isn't it? It's hard. We're we're raised and trained to just guard it. And to move on from it and ignore that. And so, when it comes, what, what, so what comes naturally is avoidance. And, and, and what comes naturally is retaliation. And what comes naturally is competition. And what comes naturally is seeking your own triumph and, and winning at all costs. And those practices, though, do not foster love and generosity, they don't build bridges across communities. They're not what God wants with us. It's not what God wants for us. And it's not how God wants to use us. And so we're called by God to do things differently. We're called to forgive when no one else can. We're called to forgive possibly because nobody else knows how to do it. We're called to love when no one else can. And we're called to extend grace even when our instincts tell us to just hide in our shells. And we're called to actively work to break down barriers that separate us, that separate insiders from outsiders and and country club people from commoners. And in every way we break down every separation that keeps any version of us from any version of them. This, I do think, is what Jesus is calling us to do. And I think, boy, this is a really difficult task. Like walking the aisle and accepting Jesus and walking through the waters of baptism is probably easy compared to this. And I wouldn't ask you to do it if God wasn't asking us to do it and if somehow Christians hadn't figured out ways to do it already. And Christians have. I struggle to evoke this story, but so I won't go into all the details, but you know what happened in Charleston on the night of June seventeenth, two 2014. The, the Mother Emanuel, the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church, was meeting for their prayer meeting that night. And a young man named Dylan Roof walked into the back, and sat there and listened to the Bible study, and even at times engaged in debates about scriptures in that historic African-American church. And then it was time to have the prayer meeting and to pray. And as we know, he did not pray. We know what he did. But this story is not about what he did, but what about the victim's but it's about what the victim's families did. Because about a year later, they were in court. The family members were there. And it was their opportunity to speak to the court and via video conference speak to him. Here's what some of them said. Nadine Collier said, I forgive you. I will never be able to hold my mother again, but I forgive you. Because if God forgives you, I forgive you. Bethane Middleton-Brown, the sister of Depayne Middleton-Doctor, said her family would not let hate win. Depayne taught me that we are the family that love built, and so we have no room for hating, so we have to forgive, I pray, God, in your soul. Sheila Capers is the sister-in-law of a woman named Cynthia Hurd, and she prayed for, for his soul to be saved. She said this. She said, if at any point before you are sentenced and you are in prison, if you want me to come pray with you, I will come and do that with you. Their attorney said, look, the, these heartbroken ones, they didn't plan on speaking at the hearing. He said, they didn't bring notes and they did not coordinate how it, how it was they were going to speak. They didn't plan their speeches together. The forgiveness that they offered was a natural reaction. They just spoke from the heart and they offered a spiritual forgiveness. These families of the victims of the, the Charleston attack forgave him. And a year later in, in court the law is trying to determine how to punish him, but these family members are going to let civil law dictate the eye for the eye, and spiritually, they're going to move on because they realize that spiritually speaking, an eye for an eye leaves everyone blind. Jesus, Jesus' words are this. Turn the other cheek. Give to someone who asks, love your enemies, for if... You only love those who love you. What reward do you have? And how are you any different? As it turns out, these words are difficult, maybe almost impossible, especially in situations like that one. Thankfully, most of us have not faced situations like that one. But no matter what you and I face, and no matter how impossible it may seem, with God's help, we can forgive. We can extend grace. We can turn the other cheek and we can love those who might be the most difficult to love. We can extend grace and gratitude and not be driven by our selfishness. And thus we then can be a part of building God's community, a different kind of community when we are willing to give it a chance. I close with one last appeal on this. It comes from an email devotional that I get every day uh, from a, a group of monks in the Northeast called the Society of St. John the Evangelist. They're actually episcopal monks. And a couple weeks ago this one was written When we have when we are judgmental or refuse to forgive, it is not the other person that suffers, but we suffer. Because we must live with the negative emotions day by day. Similarly, when we forgive, we've no doubt all experienced the joy and freedom it brings. In either case, the measure we give is the measure we get back. So if selfishness is a motivation that you need, you will feel better when you forgive and love all around us when we dive into what we think we know about the world around us and about our lives we look to ourselves and when we're wrong sometimes we just want to shake the dust from our feet but before we can truly move on we must love embrace extend grace and we must forgive and Jesus, this is Jesus' message from this section of the Beatitudes. And this is, I think, what God calls the church to do and to be for the world. It's We're called to do it because no one else knows how. And so we carry this treasure with us and share God's love all around us. And doing this means we're going to build a different kind of community. We're going to be a different kind of people One that starts with forgiveness and grace. And we're going to let go of retribution and revenge. And and we're going to forget about an eye for an eye. And this is a high calling. It's an impossible task. This is not, um, though, something we do alone. God is with us. So are you ready to forgive? Are you ready to forgive yourself and forgive others and forgive those who've hurt you? Are you ready to start being a different kind of community? Can you and I, with God's help, start to change the way things are? Might we as individuals and as this church be the change that God wants to see happen in the world? I hope you are. I hope I am. I think I am. And with all the craziness around the rest of our lives, we need this don't we so may we have the courage to forgive and the courage to start building God's community in a new and different way together today will you pray with me eternal and loving and gracious God we gather as your people to hear a word and as much as we want to hear an easy warm fluffy filling word today we hear a difficult one but Lord, it's one that we need. And so help us. Help us to embrace it. Help us to carry it out. Help us to be the people in your world who extend love and grace and forgiveness and who don't chase after just our own, but open ourselves up to be the different kind of community you need us to be and that we need to be a part of. Lord, this is a high calling, so we need your help. Be with us as we commit to do it today. And it is in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we pray. Amen.